boom there it is ladies and gentlemen look the real estate market is doing its thing ups downs left rights but there's still people out there who are making money in this business and if you want to learn how that's done then this episode's for you let's get this one on the road here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you this show is for those who are willing to take that risk these are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Plus! All right, ladies and gents, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the journey of an international commercial airline pilot who, after the tragedies of 9-11, was forced to realize that his safe and secure job, well, that was nowhere near safe and secure as he thought it was. Our guest is a real estate investor and entrepreneur who has built a fast-growing property management company in the state of Texas, or should I say the great country of Texas, managing over 1,000 properties across three major uh, metropolitan cities. Along with his growing property management company, he also flipped, owns, wholesaled hundreds of single-family homes and apartment complexes across the U.S. He has become a well-known influencer in the real estate community, contributing to Bigger Pockets and other top-level pla- uh, real estate platforms, as well as being a guest, a collaborator on countless panels, web uh, webinars, masterminds, conferences, podcasts, and is even a published author. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen. Rosenberg. Steve, welcome to the program. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me, brother. All right, dude, let's jump into this thing. Uh, 9-11, I'm a high school teacher, and I literally am in the classroom with kids who were not even born around that time frame, man. To them, it's just an event in the history books. But for us, we kind of had to live through it. Walk me through that shift in your life. What (laughs) happened then, and how did it influence where you are today? Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, starting off, you know, I grew up born and raised in Los Angeles and uh, only wanted to do one thing as a kid. Uh, that was it, one thing, and that was to be a pilot. Uh, and I studied, went to college just to have that one job. And I got hired. I was 25 years old. I was the second youngest person hired with this major airline and had the dream job, job of a lifetime. I was flying all over the world, pension, 401k, you know, a trajectory to retire and, and good to go. No, you know, and nine 11 happened. And two days after nine 11, I got hit with a furlough notice Oof. and was basically told, Hey Steve, that's safe. And that secure job that you thought you had, it was never safe and it was never really secure. And now you're going to be on the street with about 50,000 other airline pilots. So good luck. So yeah, it's now crazy, here, and here's the thing, like, you know, when you're in an industry that you see fading or draw things going on, like, you know, stuff that's happening right now, you can see it coming and you're like, okay, I got to prepare. I got to get into another industry. I got to learn a new trade. This was literally 72 hours after the towers fell. And all Hmm. of a sudden when you, all you know how to do is one thing in life, which is me flying an aircraft. I wasn't really skilled or talented to do anything else. And all of a sudden you realize that the one skill, the one thing you know how to do, is gone and you may not even be able to have that job again because 
you know, a lot of, like you said, a lot of people don't really know 9-11, but for the people that were there, um, it was a very unsure time. There was a lot of unsurety. No one knew what was going to happen. And so imagine now you got to go home and tell your wife, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I don't, I don't even know if, if, if what I've learned to do my whole life is even going to exist anymore. Maybe come governmentized. It, airline may go out of business. I don't know. And so that I will tell you is probably the, probably the scariest moment I've ever had of believing the illusion that a safe, secure job would always be there. Cause that's mm. what I thought. That's what most of us think when we get a job with a major company, at least back in the day, and to, you know, it's like getting punched in the face and then getting thrown to the floor and you're going like, what do I do? Um, it's got to be one of those scary times, man. And, and you, you probably had a lot of choices to think about. I mean, you're a pilot, so you could end up going in the military. I mean, I remember 9-11, a lot of people started to sign up. Um, yeah. But I feel like at that same time, you had that illusion of that security kind of broken from you. You had to feel like, Look, there's got to be something else out here where I have control, where nobody can give me a pink slip and let me walk away from anything. I'm going to take control of my life. What was that decision like? Yeah, so I'll share with you a moment in time. Um, gives me the chills thinking about it, even to this day. Uh, I remember after I was already given my furlough notice, we were dispatched to go pick up these aircraft all over the world because, and I don't know if people remember, but when 9-11 when happened, Whatever you were flying over, you had to circle and land or you were going to be shot down. That was basically the orders from the government. Whatever you were over, you had to circle and land. And then these planes were sitting there for four and five days at airports. And then crews had to go and start picking up these planes and repositioning this jigsaw puzzle. And I remember walking through a terminal. I don't even remember. I was in a fog, right? I was like, I already got my furlough notice. I had to go pick up these planes. And you're like in this, just, just this fog, I remember. And I remember being in this terminal. Now, if you've ever been in an airport terminal that is empty with nobody, it's a very eerie feeling. It's very, this huge cavernous building that's just echoing. And I remember looking out at the tarmac at the, where the planes were and seeing hundreds of aircraft. It may have been Denver or some airport. I forget. It was a big airport. And I remember looking out and seeing all these planes like a graveyard, just jigsaw puzzle park because they just needed to get them there. And I remember thinking, I didn't do this. Like, I didn't cause this to happen, but my life will never be the same because of it. Mm. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself at that time, it's so clear. I will never, ever put myself in that position again that someone else can dictate my life. That is the one, like, I, I it's so clear. You know, everybody has those moments of clarity. And to me, you know, a lot of people talk about like, oh, I'd like to get into this and I'd like to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to do any of this. I never thought I'd be speaking around the world and doing stuff like with Brad Lee and these, all I ever wanted to do was fly airplanes, but that, you know, took a, took a side turn and I had to figure something out. I had to pivot, which is what entrepreneurs do. Um, but I remember thinking to myself, it's my fault. Like it's my fault that I let myself get in this position. I couldn't mm -hmm. blame anybody because I got lazy. I believed people that had no business telling me that, but I believed it. It's not their fault. It's not the company's fault. It was my fault because I allowed myself get into this vulnerable position, which a lot of employees do. And then they're cornered and I was cornered. I had to make a decision and I had to act very fast. And that's what got me into real estate. 
I always hear about maximum security. It's it's like prison, right? You get three square meals a day. You got a roof over your head, but you're limited on what you can do in life. It, it, it's like you're locked up. You're freeing yourself at this point. And you're like, look, you you did something that a lot of people don't do. You had personal accountability. You're like, this is my life. Yes, it happened to me, but it's my fault that this even I even was in this situation where it could happen to me. And then you're going to make a pivot. Now, there's a number of different ways that you could go here. You could have gone to the military. You could have gone to another job. You could have partnered with somebody. Why real estate? Why was that the the thing that kind of attracted you? Well, it's funny. You mentioned something about security. I've learned that the more secure you are, the less freedom you have. Yes. So the more secure your job is, the less freedom you actually have. The more freedom you have, the quote unquote less secure. But do people want security? I, I don't think they do. I think they want the illusion of security. Anyways, mm. that's another conversation. Um, but what I ended up doing is I just started looking at what do well, what do people that have money do? Like what, what is it tied to? And so I just kept getting back to people were tied to real estate. I knew nothing about real estate. I knew nothing. I, I didn't know anything about it except that you could spell it. But other than that, I didn't know anything. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to learn as much as I can. So I went to that big building with books. We call them libraries. Nowadays, they call it YouTube <laughs> and Facebook. I had to go to the library because this is 2001. YouTube didn't exist. Facebook didn't exist. And I had to, um, what I had to do was I had to check out books. And every week I read a new book. I read a book a week on real estate and building wealth. And I read as much as I could. And I was in a race for time. I had to hurry up and figure this out. And what happened was, is then I started getting some mentors and I took some classes and I took some courses and I felt that I was ready to go. I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm taking action. I'm in the game. Well, what I learned was, is that a professional real estate person that you do business with has a little bit different ethics than, let's say, a professional airline pilot. Hmm. And so it's a different set of rules, different set of games. And all of a sudden I realized like, okay, got ripped off got lied to, got taken advantage, all the things happened. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what? Different set of rules, different game. I got to play by these rules. The rules of being an airline pilot are different than what someone says they're going to do is not the same as, you know, in the world I came from. So I learned, I had to start learning that game and I started winning a little bit more. And I've done hundreds of, you know, creative financing deals and all these things because I had to figure something out. And I didn't know, you know, it's funny, after I started doing all these deals and transactions and all these different, you know, terms that they use now and stupid acronyms, what happened was, is once I started doing it and I was successful, people would ask me, they're like, man, what are you doing? And I'd say, well, I'm doing these option contracts and I'm doing double closes and I'm flipping. And they're like, you can't do that. Mm. And I remember going like, what do you mean? They're like, you can't do that. You can't, that, like, that doesn't happen. I'm like, well, I, I just did it. Like, I don't understand, you know, because nobody was there to tell me I couldn't do it. So I just did it. And the next thing you know, I, then I had all these people going like that. Like, Hey Steve, that doesn't work these days. I'm like, you're, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy. Cause I just, I just closed the deal in 30 days and made $20,000 and I had the check for it. So maybe you can't do it, but I, I'm just telling you what I did. And I didn't, again, I didn't know that there's so many people that would put you down and try to tell you what you can't do, even though they've never done it, giving me their, their, you know, fatherly advice of what I should do. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need your, I'm not asking your permission. Number one, I'm not asking, never asked you for your advice. So I, I kept being very focused. I, I decluttered people around me and I kept that laser focus of what I needed to do. 
And slowly I started building a, a real estate portfolio, uh, which led me to other ventures of owning apartments and other stuff. But that laser focus of decluttering people and pushing people out is, is really what, what drove me. And honestly, my failures, um, I've learned more from my, I failed probably bigger than most people on the show. Um, but I've also become very successful because of those failures. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay talking about my failures and sharing them because I think that's what's made me a multimillionaire today is because of that. I think it's also your your dedication to your education. We live in an era today where, um, you know, I, I teach high school and I have a real hard time pressuring my kids to go to college. Um, my kids aren't, uh, the ones that are in my class aren't necessarily the straight A students. Let's just go with that. Um, and so it's real difficult for me to pressure them to college. However, I, I pressure them every day to continue their education. Like what you did, where you decided I'm gonna I'm gonna learn everything. I've learned something specific, a skill set that you were gonna implement into the real world. You never stopped with your education uh, ever going forward, uh, and that to me that's that's so vitally important. And when people transition to new uh, ventures, especially in the real in the real estate space. I'm sure there was a moment in time where you got a small taste of victory or maybe a big taste of victory. Um, so I'm kind of going to ask you about that one. I remember the first time I did a real estate transaction and I walked away, I closed escrow and I had a check in my hand for $50,000. That was the most I had ever made at one ever transaction. I was, I was like 23, 24 years old. I was like, dude, this is it. This is, this is, this is, this is the cool thing in life that I'm going to do. Did you have a moment like that where you're learning everything you possibly can, you're starting to implement, and then you close the deal and it's more money than you had made as an airline pilot in a month or a day? Yeah. So a couple, you know, there, life is full of learning moments, right? I, I think that um, our our life is, is is all about learning. We're on a journey, right? If you look at, well, let's just take a shark. Sharks don't go to a destination. They swim. That's what they do. They're on a journey. We humans, we don't go on a destination except maybe when we die. That may be the, you know, our final resting or whatever, wherever you believe in. So I think everything we do is a journey. We learn from our mistakes. We learn from our wins, but we're constantly learning. Now, the mistake I made is I got to become an airline pilot and I thought, I'm done, man. Peace out. I'm good. That was a mistake. That was ego and pride getting in the way of me being real because I didn't know any better. Because I listened to other people that were also airline pilots. They were also in the same position I was in when 9-11 hit. So one thing I learned based on that, and I, and I say this a lot, is I, I believe our lives are like a book. And books are made up of chapters. Chapters begin and chapters end. So, for example, high school years is a chapter. College, for some people, is a chapter. Military is a chapter. Our 20s, our 30s, our, I'm going to be 50 next month. That's a chapter in our lives, right? So mm -hmm. chapters begin and chapters end. I've owned businesses where they've begun and they shut down really quick because it wasn't a good chapter. I've had other chapters that have been really good, made me a lot of money, but I still close the chapter. Sometimes people make the mistake of not closing the chapter or they let it die. And they take, mm -hmm. the, they take the death of that chapter and they bring it into the new chapter of their life. So that's the first thing. Going back to your question, when I was first learning how to do this, I was uh, when I was learning, I got a mentor and he taught me how to do what's called a double escrow close. I, I, I couldn't even spell it. I didn't know what it was. But he's like, look, if you do what I say, it'll work. And I'm like, he charged me like $10,000 and he got 50% of the deal. And I'm like, 
okay. I'm like, but you'll walk me through this. He's like, yeah. He's like, just do what I tell you. I'm like, okay, seems easy to me. So I go ahead and I do what he says. And literally, I shit you not, 30 days later, I'm sitting at a title company with a phone and I'm having them do the conversation and we do a double escrow close. And I get a check for $20,000. And I walk out of there and I'm like, I can't freaking believe that. I, I Like, I have no idea what just happened, but I'm holding a check, right? And I'm like, it was 30 days. It was a double escrow, so I didn't put any money into the deal. I basically, long story, but it worked. And I told the guy, I, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, can we do that again? He's like, dude, we can do it all day long. I go, you must make people really freaking rich. He goes, believe it or not, Steve, you're one of the few people that actually get it across the goal line. Mm. I'm like, what? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, I wish I was. I go, but you help everyone the same. He goes, I give you all the tools. I give you everything you need. It's like going to the gym. I'm the trainer. I can't make you lift the weights. I can give you all the tools. I can tell you what to do. Just like I did with you. He goes, people don't do it. He goes, you would be surprised. You give everyone high school. You give everyone the tools, right? As a teacher. Yep. But not everyone is successful. Why? Based on past beliefs going to our future decision. So we make decisions in the future based on past emotional things that have happened to us. So people that are afraid, most people are afraid of money. They're averse of money. They tie everything to money. Money Money, I mean, what is money when you think about it? We don't see it. I sold my company for several million dollars. I didn't see that money. Went in my bank account. It made me feel good. Made me feel secure. But it didn't change my life. You know what happened Monday morning after I sold my company? My wife's like, hey, you got to take the trash out. I'm like, <laughs> we're millionaires. She's like, I don't care. The trash still needs to go out. And what I realized was, and this was a, a defining moment for me, I kept thinking when I sell the company, I'm going to get into this, I'm going to get to the next level. I'm going to get to this bubble, right? Multi-millionaire and all this stuff. I sell the company. Nobody cared. My, after you get the pats on the back and everybody gives you the accolades, they all have their own shit they're dealing with. They all have their own life. Mm -hmm. And I realized nobody cares, Steve. Nobody cares that you did this. That was yesterday. And I and so it has nothing to do with money. It, it has to do with the journey that you're on. And I think as entrepreneurs, we're all on a journey. You take the past experience and you move it forward to your next venture. And that may be a good experience or a bad experience. I would rather take a bad experience, learn from it, dissect it, get rid of the pity party, poor me, because nobody gives a shit, figure out what did I do that I could do better at. I know what I sucked at. That's like hitting a pothole and I'm staring at the rear view mirror at the pothole. When I have this huge windshield in front of me, I'm staring at this little rear view at what happened in the past. I can't change that I hit that pothole, but I can make sure I don't hit another one looking ahead. So many mm -hmm. people in business are so afraid that they're focused on that rear view mirror and they're so focused on that pothole, they don't move forward. Whether it's real estate, business, it doesn't matter. We're triggered to protect ourselves and we think we're protecting ourselves by being fearful of what happened in the past that it's going to replay again. Now you you mentioned that you had a mentor to walk you through and I love the fact that you're that you're basically shortening the learning curve whenever you have books whenever you have mentors it really shortens that learning curve and you said that your mentor was like he was impressed that you made it all the way through the finish line that most people don't fast forward now you're the mentor now you're the one who's out there training and teaching people how to do this how do you help them get past that, I don't know, imposter syndrome or the hesitation or the fears? Yeah. How do you help them get to that finish line? That's a good question. So, and let me just say that I still am mentored myself. I still get coached. I still invest in myself because I've learned you're either growing or dying. 
it's very simple. You never stay the same. Everyone who thinks that you're you're good, you're you're sadly mistaken. You're either leaving a lot of happy life or money or something wealth on the table, or you're you're going after it. It's one or the other. So that's the first thing. I am a big believer, big believer that if you want to be better, if you if I want if I'm in martial arts and I want to be a black belt, I'm not going to learn how to be a black belt by other white belts. I need to hang out with black belts. If I want to learn how to build an eight figure business, I would hang out with people like Brad Lee, right? Go speaking on stages with Ed Milet, Iron Cowboy. These are the people I want to be around because I want to be like them. So if, I, if I'm talking to guys in my neighborhood where I grew up, nothing against the guys I grew up with, but they don't know how to have their own private jet. That's not their realm. So I'm a big believer that you have to surround yourself. It's the mindset. It's how we think. Functionally, we all do the same thing. We sleep so many hours. We get up. We do stuff. We're busy all day. You're busy. I'm busy. Right? And, and I, I don't know you. I don't know what your business is. We probably, you and I probably have different days. We probably do things a little bit differently. Right? Mm -hmm. You may be better. I may be better. I don't know. But we have a rhythm. We have a cadence. Right? And so when I work with people and I work with them on their business, a lot of it is, who are they? What is it they're trying to accomplish? The, the challenge as entrepreneurs is we all feel that if I'm the hardest worker in the room, I'll be successful. But here's the thing. We all, all of us know people that have worked hard their whole lives and they have nothing to show for it. So we know it's a lie, but we tell that to ourselves because we don't know what we should be doing next. So instead of driving out on the highway, we stay in our subdivision the whole day. And we go, man, I was busy all day, putting out fires, dealing with drama, do you get anything accomplished? Anything that you can actually metric off? No. Well, then why'd you do it? See, one of the challenges as entrepreneurs, let's say, let's say, you know, you, you said you're a school teacher, right? Let's say you got so fed up with, with the school system and you're like, that's it. Fuck this. I'm done. I'm out of here. And you leave and you go, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Many, and this is many people I talk to that I coach and help. And I'll ask them, why are you doing this? And you're like, I hate the school system. I hate the nine to five. I don't like the pay. You're doing all this. Well, you're running away from something. Mm. But my question is, is what are you running to? It's like saying, I'm going to get in my car and I'm just going to drive. Well, where are you going? Eventually you'll run out of gas or the car will break down. Many people start a business just being busy. And if I ask them, what's the goal of the company? What's the date that the business is actually operating as a business without your involvement and it's running on systems, procedures, and structure? And it's actually giving you the life that you want. Because here's the thing. When we start a business, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, most people that start a business, they will want something that they don't have from their job. A lot of times, the one word I hear all the time, and, and tell me if you hear it too, is the word freedom. All I want freedom. Time. All the and, time. And so then I'll ask them, How's that working for you? How much freedom do you have? None. None. I'm like, so you're running away from what you don't want, but you're, you're, it's called a reticular activating system. Your filter, it goes right back to what you're running from because that's what you're focused on. Now, I would say it's, I don't agree that you people want freedom. We build a business to give us revenue, to give us money, to be able to have the freedom and take it one step further. The freedom buys you memories. Mm. Memories is what we want. It's because how can you how can you tell me that you have freedom? How is that tangible? 
you, right? You I get to do like yeah, you'll, you'll say. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to actually have the experiences that you claim you want from that freedom, right? And you're, what you're talking about is living the life by design, designing the life that you want and having your business around that, not having a business be your life. Yeah, because here's the thing. If you said you wanted freedom, I would say, okay, well, go sell all your shit and go live in your car at the park. You have all the freedom mm. you want. But what you won't like is you won't like the memories that that freedom is giving you. Or you could say, you know what? I want a business that's giving me, you know, $5 million a year at a 45% profit margin. And I only have to put five hours a week into it. That's a smart goal. And I go, okay. And then what are you going to do with that freedom? Well, I'm going to go to dinner. I'm going to have dinner in Greece on the Mediterranean. I'm going to take my kids to see, you know, the World Cup in Dubai. I'm going to go to a safari in Africa because I want to create memories. So don't stop at freedom. Freedom, you can't, there's no way to make that tangible. When you, you know, meet your maker, go on the ground, whatever it is that you do, you're not taking freedom with you. You're taking memories. Buy memories, don't buy freedom. And so when we don't even know why we're doing this, because we're so focused on running away from what we don't want, what, why would you think that magically your life is going to be better? And, you know, and again, there's certain structures that work in businesses and nobody ever takes the time. And I was one of them when we first started. And I, I tell you what, what I do and how I help people is that, we never take the time to actually set up a successful business model to actually do this. It's look, it doesn't magically happen by chance on the weekend in between football commercials that you build a multi-million dollar company and you being the hardest worker in the room, all that's going to do motivation is like a battery. It will drain over time. So if you mm -hmm. don't have the right infrastructure, it's like, it's like if you were going to build a house and you didn't lay the foundation and you just started building, eventually that house is going to collapse. And that's what happens to so many people in business. They never took the time to actually slow it down and build the foundation so that the house sits on something solid, so that the business sits on something solid because they hurry up. You know, as entrepreneurs, we're, we're pretty much ready, shoot, aim, right? Yes. Let's just get on the highway. I'll figure it out as I'm going. How would you like it if somebody said, hey, let's go up in this airplane, let's start flying it, and then we'll figure out how to actually fly it when we're in the air. Or the odds it. of you making your destination are slim to none, right? That's yeah, but that's absolutely. what people do in their business. They do that every day in their business. And they're like, gee, I can't believe that didn't work. How the hell did you think it was going to work? Like you had no plan. You had no, you had no expectations of winning. Dude, you, you blew my mind today. Cause I love that analogy of, you know, I always talk about living life by design, but rarely do I think of it in terms of memories. And you're absolutely right. That's really the only result you get from almost any experience you have in life is the memory that you have. Um, I, I, I always find it funny and strange, but then I realize, you know, how important it is. My wife likes to like, she'll wake up in the morning and she'll open up her Google photos and it'll say this happened, you know, five years ago today, 10 years ago today. And it's reminiscent. We're always looking at our kids when they were little and, and going back to the memories that we created. You're absolutely right. That's what you want with your freedom is to have a life of memories to capture that. And if you're planning it forward, you already know the memories you're gonna create. Now it's just time to make them happen. So what is this business model that can help us have the freedom to create the memories that we're looking for? Well, if you look at, and, and again, I am a, let me just, I'll be very open up front that, you know, I am a product of the product. I didn't go to business school. I went to, I became an airline pilot. The things I'm going to explain to you are, are not things that I'd learned as a, as a Boeing 777 aircraft pilot. So this is stuff that I've learned by being coached by mentors. So I am a product of the product. I didn't create this. 
I basically take it and I regurgitate it from all I've been coached for 20 years um, from coaches and very high level mentors to make me become the person that I am today. Right. Um, so that that's first and foremost, as we are building our business, uh, the first business, my business partner and I were building, which was a property management company. One of the things that we realized as we had, as, as businesses go, um, you know, there's, first of all, there's no manual or rule book that says, okay, Steve, this is your business for what you do in Houston, Texas, dealing with real estate. It doesn't work. Right. So you have to create this as you go, right. It's, we got to figure it out. And we were not smart enough to pre-plan this, which adds a lot of chaos. And when you're in chaos, you're not in control. And we're not in control. You're not making money, which means you don't have the life that you really wanted. So we've learned a lot of these mistakes. Well, as we were going through this process, what we ended up realizing was, you know, I have been trained by the airlines for the last 25 years. I've been trained by Boeing to fly a 737, 757, 67, 777, and 787 aircraft. Those aircraft all run on systems, structure, procedures, and checklist. If you look at the airlines, not counting the last couple of weeks, it's been a shit show, but in general, if you look at the airlines, they're pretty systematized in what they do, right? I mean, when you think about Absolutely. it, I, I want to I I paint a little picture to you. You're at the airport next time. You see an aircraft come to the gate. Now, the aircraft I fly is a 777 aircraft. It holds 380 people, and its gross takeoff weight is 775,000 pounds, okay? It's a lot of metal. So imagine this is basically an apartment complex with wings coming up to the gate. When it yeah. comes up to the gate, all of a sudden, you see all this stuff going on. A flurry. Doors are opening. Shit's going on. All this stuff is happening. To you, it looks like some sort of chaos. But to us in the industry, it's called the dance. So let me just explain to you what happens and how this is relatable to business. You have 380 people exiting the aircraft. You've got all of their bags and cargo is getting offloaded. And then that's getting dispersed to other destinations and all that. You've got the cleaners are now cleaning the airplane. Flight attendants are coming in and they're doing all of their safety checks. You've got the fuelers. Now, this plane holds 230,000 pounds of fuel. It takes an hour of high pressure fueling to fuel this thing. They're hooking up fuel lines and they're fueling this thing. Maintenance is checking engines. They're checking airframe. They're making sure safety of flight. Pilots, we're up front. And we're checking route, weather, flight computers, making sure the flight plan's good, making sure we have enough fuel to get there. We're doing all of that. 380 people get back on the aircraft and all of the bags are getting reloaded onto the airplane. Within one hour, that plane is buttoned up and we are pushing back and not one person had to talk to anyone else to do their job. This mm. can be in Tokyo, Japan, Sydney, Australia, Lagos, Nigeria, Every single second of the day around the world, this system is in play. That is a perfect system for a business. So we thought, why can't we take this model and inject it into our business and run our business so that everyone knows their job? Now, here's the thing. I can be the best pilot in the world, but if the fueler doesn't do his job and there's not a system to catch it, because we don't talk to the fuelers and he doesn't give me enough fuel, we're not making our it. destination but we have systems that are set up to catch mistakes. So if you can learn to build your business to make it systems centric and then people just make it better, that is the winning recipe. And that's hmm. how you can succeed as a business owner. It's not hard, but it takes time to build that foundation. 
But now you have a business that's running without you. One of my mentors taught me the definition of a business is a commercial profitable enterprise that runs without you and it has to have a sale date. So if I break down that sentence, a commercial profitable enterprise is basically a business that makes money. That's sales and marketing, right? So you've got to master yeah. sales and marketing. S running without you is what I just talked about, the systemization of your business so that it's running on systems and not people. People make mistakes. Systems don't. People quit. People get sick. Systems don't. So if it's running purely on systems and metrics and KPIs, you're able to metric the business. The reason you have to have a sale date is not because you have to sell the business. It's because if you don't have a date that it becomes a saleable asset, meaning it's operating without your involvement. You don't own a business. You own a job. You're going to be trapped so forever. You need to make it run without you. And the systemization does that. And the sales and marketing brings the inbound. So that's what I teach people. Steve. 30 minutes of pure fire today. Thank you very much for coming on the program, man. Uh, before we head out, how can people get a hold of you? What are they going to find when they go to your website? What are you all about? Yeah, so they can go to my website, steverosenberg.com. Um, there I do high-level masterminds. I just did one with Bradley, Iron Cowboy, Lee Labrada. Um, so I, I do very high-level conversations with people. Um, Three-day masterminds, I do coaching uh, it, it, I'm kind of set up to fit you where you're at. So if you, if you follow me on social media, um, I always answer. If you want to see where I fly all over the world, you can find me there all over the world where I'm traveling to and what I'm doing, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty approachable. People send me messages. I am the one who answers them because I think it's respectful. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Facebook, YouTube, my website. And if you got a question, you want to talk to me about how I can help you in your business. I've got different levels. Um, and it's a matter of trying to get you to the next level of what you think you should be and where you should be. Dude, ladies and gentlemen, this is where it's at. Like, this is the learning curve shortcut. There's no real shortcuts in life other than learning from people who've already done what you want to achieve. And Steve's literally on that flight path, taking off, and he's helping you get there. So, Steve, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, steverosenberg.com, steverosenberg.com. You can find him on social at Rosenberg's. Uh, Steve, uh, and Steve, shoot him an email, right? Steve at steverosenberg.com. Just reach out, communicate with people. He said at the very beginning, you got to cut the people off who are holding you back and surround yourself with the people who are going to help you get there. Steve is one of those people. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, steverosenberg.com. Steve, thank you very much for coming on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. See ya. Out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.